When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No contest. Nothing personal word of the day. Today is Monday, June 28th. Hope you all had a good weekend. No contest is when something happens to you. Actually, I learned that word in law school. No contest is you say, hey, I'm not saying I did it. I'm not saying I didn't do it. I just don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to contest this. I'm just going to let the punishment be what you're saying it's going to be. But it's always going to be a tiny bit smaller if I say, no contest. And I don't make the state spend money on a trial investigation. I never wanted to plead no contest. I've never been arrested, actually. But it sort of means that you're acknowledging what happened. No contest is also used in sports. No contest. It actually happens if your team stinks, right? You say, man, this was no contest. We had no chance here. But when a game is not played and one team, it's like a forfeit. Of course, I'm talking about the College World Series, baseball, Omaha, COVID, North Carolina State, trying to become a team in that history of that school to win the College World Series. Everybody's talked about Vanderbilt and Al Leiter's son, Jack, and that whole team and how they are absolutely no doubt going to win the World Series. They made it to the World Series when the team they were playing, North Carolina State, had to forfeit. So I just want to talk a little bit about that and tell you why it's getting so much negative attention. It's pretty simple what the leagues are doing and what the NCAA is doing and what NFL, MLB, every league everywhere. Get vaccinated. That's what they're saying. If you're not vaccinated, you are putting yourself and your team in jeopardy, which happens to be true even if you're not an athlete. But I digress. So North Carolina State had a positive COVID test. There's testing in Omaha. They're not in a bubble. They're in a controlled atmosphere. But if you're not vaccinated, you're getting tested consistently. But they do this rapid test. They're still doing these antigen rapid tests, which is shocking to me when PCR tests are available. And I know for a fact you can get a PCR test and a result back in one hour. And those do not have false positives or false negatives. Those are the real deal. But what they have the players do is take an antigen test, which is a rapid test. If you fail that, then you take a PCR test. If you fail that, then you are screwed. And then they start contact tracing, yada, yada. So the NCAA had a problem because North Carolina State was having an outbreak. Somebody tested positive and it was real. So they tested positive again. And then the roommate they were with tested positive. And these were unvaccinated players, but then vaccinated players started testing positive. And the NCAA decided we have to do something. So we're going to consult. Of course, that's what everyone does. When you're the commissioner or you're running something, you consult with medical professionals. That's been the code word 
in the in the over the course of the last year and a half around the world is consulting with medical professionals with an abundance of caution. The NCAA said, no mas. We cannot have you take the field. We are not positive who is infected, who is not. And we believe you cannot feel the team, even though the truth that has come out is the number of players who tested positive while it was enough to be considered an outbreak, where it was up to four, then it went up to Coke. It may have been eight. It was some number where there would still be a chance to have a roster. It wouldn't be the, the type of roster who could beat Vanderbilt, maybe, but they could have played. But what the NCAA did, because in theory, they've had experience with this. So they say they've had championships, not just for baseball and for football and basketball, which you know about, but also all the other NCAA sports have all made it all the way through. And only four teams out of several hundred have had to, quote unquote, pick up their bat and ball and go home. So the NCAA studied this into the night. And over the weekend, at about two in the morning, they released a statement saying that North Carolina State has been sent home and that Vanderbilt will advance because of a no contest. And it got me thinking about something. When we release something in the middle of the night, there's only one reason to do that, and that's in case of emergency. That's in the case that something has happened to a player, something has happened that requires immediate dissemination of information for the health and safety, not just of people in your team, but your fans and for everyone else. When you are kicking a team out of the tournament, you don't need to announce that at two in the morning. So what was going on in their head? They said to themselves, and I can picture this right now with their PR people, with their medical directors saying, we got to get the word out right now. And I would have said, why now? You can't wait till the morning especially when your entire statement is couched as an update, a 2 a.m. update. Now, I grant you that that's 11 p.m. on the West Coast, but that's 2 a.m. on the East Coast, and that's what you judge these announcements by. The NCAA Division I Baseball Committee has declared the Vanderbilt-NC State Men's College World Series game scheduled for Saturday, June 26th at 1 p.m. Central Time, a no contest because of COVID protocols. Okay. You're not really giving me anything that requires 2 a.m. Maybe the second paragraph will. This decision was made based on the recommendation of the championship medical team and the Douglas County Health Department. As a result, Vanderbilt will advance to the CWS finals. Are, are we making scheduled trips? Do we have to call a travel agent to go to Omaha? They're already in Omaha. Families are coming to Omaha to watch the finals. They're going to be there anyway. They don't need to know this at 2 a.m., but... There's one more paragraph, and here's why they did it at 2 a.m. The NCAA and the committee regret that NC State's student athletes and coaching staff will not be able to continue in the championship in which they earned the right to participate. Because of privacy, wait for it, folks, because of privacy issues, we cannot provide further details. And that's it. It just came to me. They released this at 2 a.m. so that all the reporters around the country could start figuring out what the further details are. And believe me, they've come out because all the information that you're reading about who tested positive, when, how many, who was vaxxed, who wasn't vaxxed, it's all from sources. It's all further detail that the NCAA refused to provide, citing HIPAA, citing privacy concerns. 
GMAB, right? If you're going to bother me at 2 a.m., you better give me full details. Don't waste my time with some ridiculous statement like that. I feel terribly for those kids. Just when, when you're asked and given the opportunity to be vaccinated, I can't think of a reason if you're not Sam Darnold or Cole Beasley. I can't think of a reason why you would turn it down. But what do I know? Players do things because they think it's the right thing to do. Players do things because they have their own advisors. Don't forget about that. Players make decisions not just based on where they're going to play, based on where they want to live, based on how much money they're going to make. It's always about money, no question. But they surround themselves with advisors, agents, family. And they do that because they want to have the up-to-date information. They want to make the best decisions possible. In MLB, there have been meetings going on now for a month between agents and players, between front office executives and players, between the manager and his players, the pitching coach and his pitchers. And these meetings have all been about foreign substances, trying to make it very clear to pitchers what they've been doing is no longer legal. They may not agree with what MLB's done. They may not agree with how the pitchers are being examined during games. All of that can be up for discussion at a future date. But for today, what the pitchers are told, here is what you can do. Nothing. You've got to be naked. Cold turkey, as Tyler Glasnow said. There's a rule that was very simply put out that said, a player cannot apply a foreign substance of any kind to the ball and may not have on his person or in his possession any foreign substance. That's the rule. It's very clear. You know from listening to Nothing Personal that we have sunscreen, of course. We have rosin. We combine them and make a, a sticky substance that goes in the glove. Some pitchers put it below the belt, which is why you're seeing belts removed. Some pitchers put it under their hat, which is why you see hats removed. Some pitchers actually put it in their hair. Some pitchers put it under their uniform. They put it in a place where they can access it and use it to get a grip. So we finally had, after what has it been, Coca, a week of checking. I think checks started on June 21st. And yesterday, June 27th, 2021, the Seattle Mariners are playing a game in his third inning of pitching a veteran named Hector Santiago. Whenever I hear the word Santiago, I think of a few good men. Hector Santiago comes off the field. The crew chief, Phil Cousy, who's a great umpire. And you know, I'm, I give you frame reference because there are plenty of umpires who aren't. He's a very, very good umpire. He's put in an impossible situation. All the umpires are, and I am not exactly a pro umpire guy, but they are put in a situation where they are trying to enforce an impossible rule and they're being made fun of. They're put in compromising positions with players. It's uncomfortable when they meet these players coming off the field and check them. And we've seen all of the craziness that's gone on. Here comes Hector Santiago. They look at his glove. They look at his hat. They look at his belt. And all of a sudden, out comes Scott Service because the umpires make a motion that they are ejecting Hector Santiago. And just like that, Hector's made history. The first player in Major League Baseball to be kicked out because of a game, ejected because of a foreign substance. Not the first time that's ever happened. The first time it's happened since this new memo, this new rule. So what do you do if you're the Mariners? 
it's a major problem, right? The first thing I would do is go down to the clubhouse and I want to look at the glove, even though they put the glove in a garbage bag and pretended to seal it, I would still look at the glove. I would then make sure that I speak to my manager because my manager is going to be asked questions and I'm going to speak to Hector, make sure Hector has the talking points. There's several things I would tell Scott Service not to say. One, don't say, we never break the rules. We are rule followers. And that was his main contention after the game. Because what if you're proven wrong? Then you're not a rule follower. So I don't want my manager to be put in a situation where he's saying something where I know it's going to be proven wrong. The rule this year, as of June 21st, is that foreign substances of any kind are not allowed. Forget spider tack. Forget all the stuff that Garrett Cole is using. I'm talking about rosin and sunscreen or just rosin. And what Santiago had was rosin in his glove. And he was using the rosin in theory because he said it's very humid, it's very hot, and I can't have sweat on the ball. So I use rosin. And when rosin combines with sweat, it becomes sticky. And the umpire saw the stick, the substance, and then did the ejection. That's exactly what MLB knows players do, pitchers specifically. And it is exactly the situation that happened yesterday that Major League Baseball knew was going to happen, which is they were going to have to eject a player who's not using spider tack. He's not using the performance enhancing substance. He's using the grip enhancing substance. But MLB and their in-season change said all substances are now gone. So Santiago meets the media and says, hey, I'm going to be exonerated. I'm good here. I only used rosin. I would have said to Hector before he took the table to meet the media, listen, Hector, do me a favor. Just don't answer the question because you and I both know you shouldn't have had rosin in your glove. You and I both know MLB is going to find rosin in your glove. And you and I both know you're about to be suspended for 10 days. Therefore, just don't answer the question. Hector, was anything in your glove? Well, right now that glove is with Major League Baseball, and I think it's best if I let Major League Baseball do its investigation. Hector, are you saying that you didn't know that you had a foreign substance in your glove? What I'm saying is I got ejected from the game, and I know that glove is going to be looked at by Major League Baseball, which is the course of action that was detailed to the players in the memo of June 21st. Will Hector get criticized for lying? No, because he's not lying. We would tell our players, don't answer the question, bridge to a point, a a PR point that we're going to give you, but we're not lying. We're just not answering your question. So now the glove, and it's all over baseball, it's all over media, it's all over social media. It's, it's, It's ridiculous. The glove out there in camera view got put into a garbage bag like it was a piece of evidence not taped, not marked, not anything, at least in my, in my eyes. But then the glove gets taken behind where there are no cameras. And then it gets sent to New York. This is actually what's happening to Hector Santiago's glove. Under the rule that has been now initiated by baseball, that the union is very clear about, any piece of equipment that is said to have foreign substances on it that causes a player to get ejected, that piece of equipment get sent to New York, quote, for further study. 
We've been doing that for 10 years in baseball. That's a dollar coca. They've been doing that for 10 years. This started with cork bats and pine tar bats. Any broken bat. Do you remember the time when bats were breaking all the time in baseball? And on every swing, there'd be a broken bat and they were flying into the stands. It was a much bigger deal when there were fans in the stands. And it was a much bigger deal before the netting got extended, which it is in every ballpark. Now, the netting, which protects people from foul balls and lasers being shot at you over the dugout. It also protects people from these flying bats. Bats were flying all over the place. So baseball initiated a program where every broken bat was sent to New York for further study. So they could figure out, is it the wood? Is it the kind of bat? They didn't realize it's the fact that people are now throwing 99 miles an hour and getting players up in the hand. And when that happens, your bat's going to break. So cut to the glove gets sent to New York. What's Rob Manfred going to do? He's going to open up the package. <laughs> he's going to. He's going to look at the glove. He's going to have people who are experts. They're going to study it. I'm picturing like people with masks and, and, and shields and gloves and lab coats. And, I, and they're going to take like a needle and they're going to put it into the substance and withdraw it and then put it into a Petri dish and then grow it, see if mold grows and then put it on a little slide and put it under one of those. Um, what's it called? Not a microphone. What's it called, Coco, when you look into a, um, a microscope? Remember in science, like eighth grade science, you had to look under your microscope and you would try to see what you could see. I never was good at science. I don't know what I was looking at, but they're going to study it. And now they've got two choices. They either exonerate Santiago or they have to suspend him for 10 games. And the Mariners actually can't even replace him on the roster. Those are the only two choices. And if MLB is going to be consistent, they have no choice but to say, yeah. That's rosin. That is a violation of the rule. So therefore, you're suspended. I'm not even going to do it as a wait to see because I did a wait to see, Coca. The wait to see I did was that there would be a player suspended under the foreign substance rule. And I'm not saying I'm going to get it right yet, but it's pending. I'm sorry, Hector. Did you watch the Yankees, anybody? The Yankees got swept by the Red Sox again. All the things we've talked about, people are coming out and defending Cashman, they're defending Boone, or they're chastising Cashman and Boone. They're saying they got to go, but they're not going to go. They're close with the Steinbrenners. The Yankees have a much bigger problem than that. The Yankees potentially have a $300 million problem in Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole can't use foreign substances anymore. Garrett Cole and Scott Boris, I promise you, during collective bargaining, will be working very hard toward making sure that certain foreign substances are allowed going into next season. Garrett Cole in June has like a four ERA. He got rocked. You need to be a slump buster when you're an ace. Garrett Cole, don't at me, all you Yankee fans. Garrett Cole's not an ace anymore. An ace is someone who stops losing streaks and continues winning streaks. That's their job. The Yankees had lost two in a row to the Red Sox. They got Garrett Cole going Sunday. You got to win that game. Yankees are now five and a half games back of the wild card. But what struck me about that game was something a little different that is worth talking about because the Yankees use a word that I've never heard the Yankees use before. And it is a word that is pretty damning toward in baseball. But I love the word. It was called payroll flexibility. Payroll flexibility is what we would say when we were asked by the media, why did you trade away all your players? 
Well, we wanted payroll flexibility. That's what we'd say. We're doing this so we can ensure our future. The Yankees, payroll flexibility. This is what I was thinking about as I was watching Adam Ottavino absolutely shove it. He's a Red Sox. He was traded by the Yankees in January. And Ottavino just had a great series against the Yankees. And what was interesting is Brian Cashman's quote at the time of that trade. And again, this was six months ago. The last thing I wanted to do was put Adovino into the hands of our competitors. But ultimately, I'm not afraid to do business with anybody if it serves whatever our purposes have to be. That's the conversation of why the Yankees and Mets will now do trades and why we'll now trade players within our division, something that 25 years ago didn't happen. Now you've got no problem trading your division at all. Trading someone to the Red Sox, if you're the Yankees back in the day, unheard of. So Cashman continues and says, so yeah, that was a payroll flexibility maneuver. Who remembers the Yankees offseason? Because I do. Remember, they didn't want to go over the luxury tax, which is why they're not going to add it to deadline. Do you further remember the fact that they wanted to sign Brett Gardner? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. So they trade out of, you know, bullpen piece. What's the big deal? The big deal to me is this. When you're the Yankees, you cannot use as an excuse to make a trade payroll flexibility. If you think that Adam Adovino at $5 million is going to be a good bullpen arm, no matter what your payroll is, you want him on your team, regardless of the number of outfielders you have, regardless of your love of Brett Gardner, regardless of any of those issues. If you've got a bullpen piece that you've evaluated who is going to be helpful to you in the late innings, even though you've got a deep bullpen, but you know if you're the Yankees or any baseball team that whatever bullpen you have in April will not be your bullpen in October. You have to have as many arms as possible. You have to have have people coming up from the minor leagues and getting sent back down on the minor league, major league train, the option train we used to call it. You just have to have depth. That's something as a low revenue team you don't get. But if you're the Yankees, it's all about depth. So the Yankees making a trade that the Marlins would make makes me smile. And then having that player come back to haunt them makes me smile even more. If I'm Brian Cashman, I'm okay with making trades, cutting payroll. I use whatever payroll the owner gives me. The owner gives me 210. I should be able to build a winner 210, 206, 205, 180, 190. God, we're trying to build winners with 60 and $70 million. Sometimes I would dream about what it would be to have a payroll in the 180s, the mistakes I could make. The signings I could make. I wonder whether the Yankees would make that out of, you know, trade again. I was watching the game yesterday. I'm looking at the wild card standings. Yankees are five and a half back of the wild card of the second wild card. I'm trying to imagine. I mean, we're on almost halfway done. What's their record, Coca? Are we 80 games in yet? I think we have to be. I mean, we're at the end of June. April, May, June is half the season, right? Yeah, they're at 77 games. They're 40 and 37. At the end of this week, they will be, the season will be halfway done already. Now, they could get hot. There's no doubt. Their offense could start improving. Torres could start hitting again. Cole could start being an ace again. But they've got to catch the Blue Jays. They've got to catch the Red Sox. And they've got to catch the Rays. There's going to be some change in New York, folks. I don't think Brian Cashman's going to have to meet the media again. I really don't. So I'm going to take a break now, Coca. Here's why. I want to talk about a movie I watched at the suggestion of a listener. And it is a movie that uh, 
was a difficult watch, but a really good watch. And then after that, when we come back, we are going to tell you a story about a survey. We will be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think there'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Gwen, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for downloading, following, rating, reviewing, subscribing, all of the words that Coke has taught me about things that help us improve our numbers so we can keep coming to you every day, no matter where we are. I am right now in a state of California, actually, coming to you live very early in the morning, although it's not live. It is sort of live. We don't edit. You know that. That's nothing personal. 45 minutes, unfiltered, tell you what's going on, when it's going on, if it's trending, culture, sports, entertainment, politics, anything. So yesterday, I did something that I love doing, went to a national park in Yosemite and went on a hike did a nine-mile, six-hour hike up like 2,700 feet to the top of Yosemite Falls. It's all uphill, exhausting but amazing. It was super hot. There's this heat wave going on on the West Coast. And my phone had said that I climbed 244 flights of stairs, which is shocking that I can even walk today. But luckily, I'm training for a marathon, so I'm good. But the story of the day is that when you're in California, obviously, once you've done a hike, there's only one thing to do, and that's eat in and out burger because it's my favorite burger in the world, and you can only get it on the West Coast of Texas. It's going to an In-N-Out, and uh, I'm dirty, having just hiked, and then driving four hours to my next stop, and I have soot and dirt and grime and salt, and I look sort of schleppy. I'm in really running clothes, so a tank top and, uh, and shorts, but the dirt is caked on me in my face. And it's just, there was no place to wash up after because just got in the car and started driving. So order the double, double animal style, order the fries, order the shake. Thinking about the flex burger as well. You have to have a flex burger when you go to in and out. That's just sort of the extra burger that you have when you're still hungry. Sitting there eating, 
And this never happened to me before. I guess it's someone who may have liked nothing personal or may not have walks up to me with a cup, an empty cup. When you order food at a fast food, they give you the cup and you go fill it up at the soda fountain, which I won't drink out of a fountain, so I never get the cup. So I'm eating with just a shake, no other cup. Comes up to me with a cup and says, hey, excuse me, sir, would you like this cup? Would you like this drink? And it occurred to me that what these people were doing, this man and his wife, is they thought that I must have been homeless because I was eating the hamburger so quickly and the cup gets brought to the table in a way that would indicate that, wow, these people are feeling sorry for me. Turns out I had them subscribe to nothing personal and everything's okay. But I simply could not believe how nice it was of that man to do that. It got me looking around the restaurant to see if anybody else was in that position. And it turns out I probably was the only one. We watch a movie every day, no matter what. It was, I love your suggestions. Keep them coming. It actually means a lot to me. And there's no shortage of content, that's for sure. There was a band in the 80s called In Excess. If you haven't heard of them, you have. You know their song. Dun, dun, dun. Na, 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 na. Dun, 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 dun. Na, 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 na. I need you tonight. Have you heard of that? So there's a movie called Mystify which is the story of Michael Hutchins. Michael Hutchins was the lead singer of NXS. I knew that Michael Hutchins had died at 37 years old. I knew he had died by taking his own life, but I didn't know the backstory. And for the first time, there is a long documentary, a long form feature length documentary that is done in a way that I'd never seen a documentary. There are no on-camera interviews. There are voices in the background from people in his life and it is video that he had taken as an individual, as a leader, a sex symbol, as a unbelievably popular singer back in the 80s. And it goes through all of his relationships, everything that happened. I had no idea that he ended up having a child with the ex-wife of Bob Geldof, who you may know from Live Aid or a band called the Boomtown Rats. I had no idea what was going on in his life, how difficult it was, how uncomfortable he was. I had no idea about the drugs he had used. I just didn't know anything. And I spent time after the movie reading about it and reading about the tragedy of his death, the tragedy of his child's mother's death. That's Bob Geldof's ex-wife who also died, of, who died of a heroin overdose. One of Bob Geldof's children has died of a heroin overdose. And this is happening at the same time I'm reading about Johnson & Johnson settling a opioid case by paying a fine of like $250 million. And I started thinking about big pharma and opioids and drugs and the COVID. And all these things were in my mind where COVID gets all its attention for all the people it's killing and how a vaccination is now in place. And with drugs, it's been going on for my whole life, from Nancy Reagan just saying no to drugs, to the pharmaceutical company and the family that really invented oxycodone, getting billions of dollars in fines from other companies, getting hugely rich, and from people in the stock market, including former clients when I was on Wall Street. 
all getting rich from people's addictions. And what do we do as fans, as music listeners? We don't care, do we? We just want the music. We sort of are voyeurs into the life of the rock star, thinking how great it is to be a celebrity, how great it is to be able to party like a rock star, go to the clubs, be able to do anything you want, get anything you want. And as I watch more documentaries and more movies, we reviewed Halston last week, Mystify this week. The list goes on and on. And I just wonder whether or not the people who die young from drug overdoses, the actors like Chris Farley, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I wonder when they realize that they are merely players in a creation of their audience and that they've lost all control over their own destiny because they feel they have to be something for their audience. They have to be what they're supposed to be, the center of attention, or they're supposed to be the funniest or the most musical or the ones partying the most. I wonder if they say to themselves, this is a decision I am making with full understanding of where it's going to lead. Or I wonder, is it the fault of them and not us? Or is it the fault of the drug manufacturers? Or is it the fault of society? What, what, what's going on with this epidemic? Because we say COVID-19 is, the, is a pandemic, the biggest epidemic of our lifetime. I'm going to say that drugs are way ahead of COVID-19. Please watch Mystify. Uh, you will learn something. You will be reminded about great music. And you'll be feeling a little bit guilty about adulation and idol worship and what it does to people in that position and the way it can create a false reality of their life and how when the lights go down, the lights actually go out. I told you I was going to talk about a survey. I'm going to take a survey right now because this can't be true. The Florida governor is a guy named Ron DeSantis. He's actually the Republicans' best hope in 24 in theory. He's trending along with Trump. If Trump runs, then DeSantis won't. If Trump doesn't and Ivanka doesn't, maybe DeSantis will. DeSantis clearly wants to be president. And one of the things that the Republicans have been doing, and this is not every Republican, please. This is just a select group of them. They've been very concerned about intellectual diversity, very concerned about socialism and socialism being spread in different universities. So the governor of Florida just passed a bill. He signed the bill that obviously had to make it through the House and the Senate. So I don't blame just DeSantis. Let's be clear. Every student and faculty member of every public university in Florida now has to fill out, wait for it, a survey outlining their political beliefs. Because the governor and the right wing Congress people, House people, this is state, not federal, said, we want to stop socialism factories. And that's what's that's what we're brewing here in Florida. So here's the survey, and here's how I'd fill that out if I were a college student. And this has nothing to do, you know, where I am politically. I am both right and left. I'm very central. I guess that's what I would say. There's certain things that I like. There's certain things that I don't like. But extremes on either side, I can pretty much tell you I don't like. 
making someone fill out a survey. What happens if someone fills out a survey saying that they are a socialist, that they believe in whatever their view is of socialism? Now, I could argue that no one really knows what it means to be a socialist, that people who say they're socialists don't understand what socialists are. doesn't matter. Are they confusing that with Marxism and communism? doesn't matter. That's, that's not even a discussion to have. But let's say they fill it out and they indicate that they are absolutely so far left that they make, you know, Biden look like a Republican. Let's just say that. Do they lose a scholarship? Are they not allowed to be at the university? Is there a set limit? Is there a quota now? There can only be a certain number of these people. Is that what we're doing now around the country? Are we going to formulate a community in a college as though it's a cast on Survivor and we're going to do it in that way? Or do people have the right to get a college education, have a right to have whatever views they have and beliefs they have, and that's it? And they have a right to express those. That's a constitutional right, folks. Everyone's so busy on the right protecting the Second Amendment. Okay. What about the right to have whatever political beliefs you want ever, no matter what they are? You just can't break the law. That's it. So here's what I would do. I'd get the survey as an incoming freshman. The first question would be, how would you describe your feeling toward President Donald Trump? I loved his hair. Second question. How do you feel that President Biden is doing as president of the United States? I love his hair. So I'm answering the second question. Third question. This is the big survey question that they're asking all the students. Do you believe in intellectual diversity? If I knew what that meant, I would write, I wouldn't be at a public school in Florida, would I? Just kidding. This was my first choice. I couldn't be happier to be here in Florida using the 529 money that my parents put away for me. I'm thankful, I'm still writing, for the intellectual diversity that is at these schools, but I base that on level of acumen in beer pong. I base that on people who can tailgate the longest and not walk into the football game. I base intellectual diversity on people's movie choices. I look for intellectual diversity when I'm at a sorority party. Fourth question. I'm dead serious. This is how I'm filling out this form because this is so abjectly ridiculous. Fourth question is on the survey. Do you believe as a member of a public university in Florida that all people have the right to be in this university? I'm looking at that number four question. I'm saying no. And I'm going to leave it at that. Is that what people are going to write when asked that? No, people aren't allowed unless they look like me and think like me and talk like me. Haven't we spent the last year and a half discussing this very issue with systemic racism and all the inequality that we don't want anyone to be judged based on how they look, what they think. And here we go in Florida. Why? Because Florida. I don't think that survey is going to last. I don't think it's constitutional. I think someone is going to uh, question that law. I really do. Okay. Ooh, we got to do the pick of the day, Coca. Uh, 
We gave you four picks last weekend. Did you do them? Were you upset when the Blue Jays lost to Matt Harvey and the Orioles in extra innings, thinking, oh, here goes Samson again? Well, that was the only loss of the weekend. I hope he had the Bucks over the Hawks in game two. They crushed them. They're now up two to one, having won again yesterday, getting home court back. Did you watch DeGrom pitch? Were you worried about the Mets and Phillies when DeGrom didn't get the win and he actually gave up a run? Were you concerned that the Mets wouldn't win in extra innings? I was, but they did. It counts as a win. But did you watch Scherzer? That's what I want to know. That was the pick yesterday. Scherzer over the Marlins. Scherzer beat the Marlins. We went three and one. So we're now 88 and 64 with the pick of the day. Uh, let me just give you the, today's pick. And then I want to talk about Scherzer. Today's pick, Suns are going to close out the Clippers. It's over. Suns are giving five and a half. Give the points. Do you remember only a year ago when Charles Barkley said that Devin Booker doesn't deserve to be in Phoenix? He's too good. Get him out of there. Save his soul. Well, Charles, do you know that the Phoenix Suns could do something that you couldn't do with them? Win a title? He got into the finals and he ran into Jordan. And believe me, I've got great sympathy for you because the Knicks had that issue as well. Just were unlucky enough to be in his conference. But I think you may have missed your calling. And instead of being on TV, you could be an executive. So I think you really, would you have traded Devin Booker? I'm just asking for a friend. Take the Suns, the Clippers without Kawhi. Kawhi's not going to play. And Paul George is who Paul George is. The Clippers just don't have enough. I'm worried about Steve Ballmer. I think he's going to be apoplectic. I wonder what changes he's going to make, even though they shouldn't. They just need a healthy Kawhi. But I want to go back to Scherzer because there's something we talked about with Max Scherzer before, and uh, I want to go into a little more detail. Max Scherzer is a uh, pitcher for the Washington Nationals. He's at the tail end of a long-term deal that's been great for the Nationals. They've won a World Series. I want to say he's was on a seven-year deal for $200 million plus, and he's going to be a free agent. And one of the things that's going on in the National League least is that the Nationals, who were close to last place or have won a couple games, even though they, uh, they lost a game or two to the Marlins over the weekend. And I, I don't know what place they're in, Coke. I think they're in second place behind the Mets. But they actually are closer to 500 right now. The Braves are still struggling. And uh, forget the Phillies. I mean, have you ever seen a team blow more saves than the Phillies? That was their problem last year. It's still their problem this year. They tried to fix the bullpen. They fired their GM. I, I we'll talk about Girardi and Dombrowski again another time. But the Phillies are done. But the Nationals, they're a game under in second place. What do you do? Are you adding at the deadline, which is July 30th? Or are you subtracting? And if you subtract, the natural player to subtract would be Max Scherzer. But Max Scherzer has a no trade clause. The no trade clause was not necessarily given to him when he signed his contract. The rule in baseball is that when you've been in the big leagues for 10 years and the last five have been with the same team, you have something called 10 and five rights. 10 and five rights mean that you have a full no trade clause. You must waive your 10 and five rights in order to be traded. So, you know, Max Scherzer is part of the executive council of the union. You know, Max Scherzer has an agent, don't you? Guess who his agent is? Scott Boras. So Scott Boras had a quote about the possibility of trading Max Scherzer in case the Nationals are thinking about trying to get themselves better. Do you remember when the Yankees were out of it in 2016? 
and they traded Araldus Chapman at the deadline to the Cubs. He won a World Series with the Cubs, and then the Yankees signed him again as a free agent. Do you remember that? The reason that that strike sort of uh, impacts me is when you don't have a no-trade clause, which we only gave to one player, Giancarlo Stanton, on a multi-year deal, the reality is you have great flexibility with what to do with your roster. And if you're not in the race, you can trade Max Scherzer, get back prospects, help your farm system, give your organization more depth, and then bring Max Scherzer back if you want to sign him to another two-year deal, another three-year deal. You can do that. But when a player has a 10 and 5, they don't have to let you. Scott Boris said, the reality of it is that a trade, if it happens, is going to have to lead to something. He clarified that something is an extension. I just laughed. If I'm trading for Max Scherzer, I'm renting him. I am trying to improve my rotation for a run into October. I'm not giving him an extension because I'm not going to allocate. If I'm a middle of the road revenue team, there's no way I'm going to bring Scherzer in at 37 years old, no matter how good he's been. Doesn't matter about substances, doesn't matter about anything. The reality is I'm not going to give him a two or three year deal because the only pitchers historically who can pitch until they're 40 are those who are taking steroids and Max Scherzer's not doing that. So it just seems unlikely that he's going to perform. And I don't want to be the one in the game of musical chairs who's overpaying for a player for what he did, not for what he's going to do for me. But Scott Boris has the ultimate hammer here. And he's going to use it. So I'm Mike Rizzo, the president of baseball operations for the Washington Nationals. And I've got no choice. I know I can't trade him. Because when I speak to teams... What teams will say is if I have to sign him to an extension, that means either A, I don't want him, which is the majority, or B, I'm not going to give you a return befitting a player like Max Scherzer because I'm taking on payroll. Not only am I saving you money this year by taking Scherzer for the last two months, so you save a third of his salary if you're the Nationals, and you take on a third, although you can negotiate that away with a trade, you can actually pay a player to play on another team. Done that. It's all about the equation of how good will the return be for that player. The more money the acquiring team takes on, the worse players the trading team gets. So by Scott Boris saying what he said, what he's really saying is, don't bother calling about Max Scherzer. He's set in DC. He's not willing to waive it. He's going to stay. So Mike Rizzo says, I'm not going to move anyone else. You know, we got Schwarber hitting so well. We're in such a crappy division. We're a little under 500. We can have a little run here in the next month. I think we're just going to keep them. But then what you're going to read is what is funny to me. The Nationals now, for PR purposes, are going to have to add because their best way to subtract has been taken away from them. So they're going to say, this team has a chance to win this division. We are going to add. So they get this positive PR spin from it. Anyway, wait to see. Scherzer's not going to be traded. Uh, we had a wait to see that was uh, people criticized last week that Jason Kidd will be the next coach of the Mavs. And you guys said he was already rumored. Therefore, it's not a real wait to see. But from listening to nothing personally, you should know very well. Half the rumors that come out, yeah, where there's smoke, there's a little fire. But Jason Kidd and the Mavericks, eh. 
Wait to see. We got it right. Stop criticizing the wait to see is too easy. Scherzer could still get traded. Maybe there's some crazy team out there. They'll give him an extension. That's a real wait to see. All right, that's a Monday. That's a wrap, Coca. Just remember, it's just business. This is nothing personal.